Well, good morning, everybody. I have to say, it's really encouraging as a preacher when the morning is launched with a prophetic word that speaks right into your sermon by somebody who's not even here. So that word that we got from Angela speaks right into the heart of where we are as a church. Um, I don't know if you picked up, but it picked up on a passage from Isaiah that has been really quite fundamental to um, the, the vision that the church has had. And and it also, it's lovely that it speaks into what I'm saying this morning, because that's a bit of an encouragement. And in fact, I was sat in down, sitting down there with Keith laughing, because I just, everything that's happened this morning, every song we've sung, every word that's been spoken, I just said, I think I'll just go home, it's all been done. <laughs> so, I'll see you later. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to miss out. <laughs> You said I could have at least half an hour, Alan. (laughs) No, no, at least. (laughs) Now, that that word that Angela brought to us this morning, that is a word um, that the church is growing. That we're a church that is not willing to settle. We often use the phrase, God is taking us into a new season. It's used a lot, and I probably use it a lot as well. And I'm making absolutely no apologies for the amount of times we hear that phrase, because God has always been on the move. God has always been doing a new thing. He is constant. He is unchanging. But the things that he is doing is constantly changing and constantly on the move. And we want to be a church that doesn't settle. God doesn't settle. God is God is moving, so we need to be ready to move with him. Now, I've been reading the book of Acts lately, and I find it both exciting and challenging. Now, our lives should look like the book of Acts. And I read it, and I think, oh, not quite there yet. I'm not quite living in what I'm reading, but I read it with a promise. I read it with a promise that what was available for the early church is available for us today. Those passages that Tina has read about God's power being on display, that is what we can and will be seeing among us. Now, I'm going to be looking at a passage. It wasn't one of the ones that Tina read out. And for a moment, I thought, she's going to get my passage. (laughs) I'm going to be reading from Acts 12, which um, there's some things that I really want to draw out for us as we we move forward. But as I was preparing for, um, for what I'm saying today, I felt like God had taken me to that passage. And I was spending some time kind of exploring it, reading around it, thinking about what God was wanting to say to us. But I felt like there was something specific in it that God wanted to say to us today. And I'm actually now going to slip into prophecy mode, so you can slip into weighing mode. And if you decide this isn't me, it's chi- it isn't God, it's me, then you can put that, what, that down. And the rest of what I say is still right. <laughs> but I wanted to give the context of, of what I felt that God was saying. And I, God gave me a very simple picture. And it was of two sanding blocks sitting one on top of the other. 
And as I watched, the one on the top, it had a hand on it. And it, all of a sudden, it just pushed forward against the other one, but launched off it. And I felt like what God was saying is that he is moving us towards a season where there is going to be a shift. A shift in our experiences, a shift in our heart attitudes. And I believe that God is restoring us to what we see in Acts. God is taking us that step further to seeing his power on display among us in the measure that we read about in that book. I believe we're going to see more of the charismatic. I believe we're going to see more healing. We're going to see more people stepping into the gifts. We're going to see more people saved. We've got a vision as a church to get, first of all, into that building, but to get beyond that to 400 people. And our vision is to get to 400 and beyond. When we get to 400, we might have a bigger picture of what beyond means. Right now, we have that, that point in our vision of where we're going. But we're not going to settle at 400. We're not going to be there with the clicker one day, get to 400 and think, yes, we've made it. We're going to go beyond that. But there was a second sanding block in this picture. Now, as the church moves forward, and again, this has come out this morning, there are going to be things that we're going to rub up against. There are going to be challenges that we are going to face. In fact, the fact that we are moving forward is going to cause us to step into challenges because we've used the term faith exploits in the past. And that is what God wants us to go on. When we read the book of Acts, we read one faith exploit after another. What's a faith exploit? It's going into something where you need to have faith. It's going into a situation where you need to have God. God takes you in there and God takes you through it. So we know we're going to walk into that building at some point where we're going to be meeting and that's going to be a wonderful day of celebration because God has taken us into that situation. God has taken us into a challenging season, but he is going to take us through that so that we move forward in all that he has for us. And I believe that God wants us to be a church that is strong in faith. God doesn't want us to be wishy-washy about it. He doesn't want us to look at things that that might be difficult. We'd better not go there. God wants us to be people who will step into a situation that looks impossible because God has said step into it. Because we know the God of power. We know the God of breakthrough. We've sung about him this morning. We've heard prophetic words about him. He is real and he is true and he is here and he is the one who is working among us so that we can move forward, not for us, not so that we look good, but so that his glory can be made known in this city and in the nations that we are linked with. So, I want to look at this passage in Acts. I'm just going to start by setting a little bit of the historical context of what's gone before it. We're roughly 10 to 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus. The early church is growing and it is growing dramatically. We, you know, we, we, we celebrate our ten that, nine or ten that were added this morning. We celebrate the, the ten baptisms last week. They were celebrating hundreds, thousands being added to their number. We celebrate the ones and twos, but we look for the, for the greater. 
And the Holy Spirit was working wonders among them. So I don't need to go back to Pentecost because Tina's done it for us this morning. But the Holy Spirit was present. He was working miracles. He was releasing gifts among them. They weren't operating in their strength. They were operating in his. And that is what God wants for us. But there's another side to what the early church were experiencing. There was a growing persecution. It started off as you read Acts, there were a few arrests. But then we hear of the stoning of Stephen. And the passage that I'm going to look at today is the passage, in the introduction to the passage, we see that James has been killed. So James was one of Jesus' disciples. We often read in, in the Gospels, uh, Jesus had the 12 disciples, but he had the three close companions, Peter, James, and John. This is the James that has just been killed in this. He's been arrested. Um, Herod has tried him. Herod has had him killed. And Herod is now enjoying the popularity that he's got because of this. And as we go into this passage, we find out that Peter is in a bit of a predicament. Peter has been arrested, he's been put in prison, and it's the same person that is going to try him. So I'm going to read from Acts 12, and I'm going to start at chapter 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound in two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak round you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. But, and then I'm going to jump to, chapter, sorry, to verse 24, which says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Now, this is a very dramatic passage. God's power is on display. And I just want us to think about it for a moment, because this, this passage, we, we've sung this morning about chains being broken. We often refer to this passage in songs, in prophetic words. We talk about it very metaphorically, about the the, the chains in our lives being broken. And that's good, and that's right. But for a moment, I want us to just go back to the original. These were actual chains. 
Peter was in chains, chained to two guards. God sent an angel into their midst. The chains fell off all by themselves. God is the creator of all things. God has set every law of nature in place. And when God set the law of nature in place, he didn't give chains a life of their own. Yet when God moves, he is not bound by the laws of nature. When God moves, he does impossible things. He causes chains to break and to fall to the ground of their own accord. He causes iron gates to open of their own accord. And he causes all this to happen with bright lights from angels, with angels having to boot Peter to wake him up, talking, getting dressed, all these things going on, and four guards surrounding Peter who are guarding him probably in danger of their lives do not notice. Whether they're asleep and in such a deep sleep that none of this affects them, we don't know. Whether they're awake and just somehow they don't see it, we don't know. But they are going to be four guards who are on the alert. And Peter was able to just walk past them with an angel. God does the impossible. So we'll go back to the metaphor. We experience situations where we feel like we are in chains. We feel like it is impossible. When Peter looked at this situation, there was no human way he could escape. But when God breaks in, he does not what not... Start that sentence again. (laughs) He does what is not possible for man. But with God, all things are possible. Oh, you knew that one. Well done. (laughs) And the other thing that God did, which I have briefly mentioned, but I just want to hone in on a little bit, is God sent an angel to Peter. Angels are mentioned a lot in Acts. And you know, I think we're a little bit hesitant about angels. Because you know what? The (laughs) New Age movement, things like that, they've they've claimed them. And they've said what they're like. And we've kind of become a little bit hesitant about talking about angels. Because there is a lot of fluff out there. We need to get our teaching about angels from the Bible. But angels are part of God's plan. God is is described as the commander of angel armies. So we need to get a good, strong, biblical understanding of what angels are like, how God uses them, and what they are. We're not called to worship them. We worship Jesus. They don't replace the power of God. They work through it. But I believe that angels are something that God wants to restore to the understanding of the church. And as we were in the prayer meeting this morning, I actually got a picture of this room. And I saw in that picture an angel at either side of the room. And I don't believe that's a metaphorical picture. I believe God has positioned angels in the room this morning. And I was asking him, 
what, why are you showing me, God? What, what is it about that? And I just had the sense that God was saying that he has sent angels to guard over us. To guard over us, to protect us, to protect his word over us, to protect all that we are doing as a church. And actually, when we, when we think about the, the pictures of angels in the Bible, it usually says, do not be afraid. They're, 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 they're terrifying things. I can't say in my picture I had lots of detail to be able to describe them, but I knew that they were there. God sends his angel armies to protect his church, to minister to us. I believe they have been ministering to us as we've been hearing those prophetic words this morning, as we've been singing. I believe that that yeah, God has been working through those angels that are with us. And I'm not saying that there's only two here either. <laughs> those are the two that God showed me. Now, there's a, at the end of this passage, which I kind of jumped, but I wanted to include this one last line. I believe that this is the crux of this passage. But the word of God increased and multiplied. When we read through Acts, we hear time and time again of the numbers increasing, of the word of God being sent, sent out, the word of God achieving its goals. God's priority... And the priority of the early church was to see Jesus made known. For people to understand that Jesus had died for them. That they could come back into relationship with God. So through this passage, I believe that this is the key, the key part of this passage. That God is faithful. He's faithful to Peter, but he's faithful to his word. And that is the same for us today. God will be faithful to us in the small things. God will be, that might seem big to us, but God is faithful in those because he is faithful to seeing his word sent forth. Now we see in, in this situation that Peter was in, as I said, it looked like an impossible situation. And we need to think about a little bit about the responses to impossible situations that we see in this. Because I've been thinking a little bit about my own recently. And there was a, a little holiday that we went on a few years back when our boys were little. We, we decided one Easter we were going to take them to Mallorca. Now, they'd never been before. They'd never been on a plane. It was all very exciting. And we were trying to kind of prepare them for this, not knowing how they would get on with the plane. So we were talking about what would happen, what would happen when we got there, that we'd be going with the swimming pool, we'd go to the beach, we'd do all these fun things. And so we set off on the journey, got on the plane. Everybody seemed happy. The plane took off. Thomas was cheering away. He's never been quiet. (laughs) And... Yeah, after two hours, I think Ollie was about two or three at the time, so two hours felt a lot longer. We, we arrived, the plane landed, we gathered the boys up, we gathered the uh, things that we had in our hand luggage and we were walking through to go and get our bags. And as we were walking through the airport, all of a sudden, Ollie had a complete meltdown. And you go through the usual, is he tired, is he hungry, has he hurt himself? Eventually calmed him down. And, he, and all he said was, you said we were going to the beach. I hadn't given him all the details. So I said to him, we are going to the beach. 
we're just not there yet. Now, sometimes when when we know that God has given us a promise, God has spoken to us about what he's doing, we can panic in the airport. I can have a meltdown in the airport because I think, God, this doesn't look like you said it was going to look. This doesn't look like I was expecting it to. And sometimes God just says, we're not there yet. Keep going. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. You will get there because I am taking you there because I am hemming you in. That word this morning was a very good one. The other thing that I can do when, uh, when, when things get difficult and there's impossible situations, I can come to God with all my questions. Now, when we read the Psalms, the Psalmists are, they're bluntly honest, aren't they? They come to God and the, the, the one that I'm, I'm good at at the moment is the, how long God? How much longer? And we can come to God with why, why are we in this situation? Why has this happened? The, the early church at this point, they could have kept their focus on why was James killed? Why is Peter now in prison? And, and yes, it's good to come with all our questions, with all our emotions to God. But it's not right that we stay in them. The psalmists don't stay there. As you read through the psalms, they get back to praising God. They get back to worshipping God. They get back to seeing who he is. Now, I find when I come to God with all my questions, it can, for initially, it's good to kind of get them out there. But if I stay in them and say, God, why this? Why does that look like this? Why have you done this? Why? I start to rob myself. And I'm robbing myself of intimacy with him. Because it's hard to receive when you stay in that place of questioning. Now, when we look at the Bible, we learn that God is fully good. He is fully loving. He is sovereign. And he is all-powerful. There's more as well, but, you know, I've only got so long. (laughs) If I hold on to all of those things... I know that I can release that situation to God. I don't have to understand it in order to receive from him. It's more important that I receive his strengthening, that I receive his comfort, that I receive his peace, that I receive his power, than it is that I understand. We will never understand everything that God is doing. And he, ha- he, we, he does not owe us an explanation. He's sovereign. So, yes, come, pour your heart out to God, but then get into a place where you are ready to receive from him because that is more important than any explanations. He'll tell you what he wants you to understand and the rest, we can find a peace in the mystery. Now, if we look at this passage and the better responses to Mark than mine... The church did two really vital things. They came together and they prayed. Now, I'll go go back to my response here. (laughs) I am a classic introvert and an internal processor. So when things get difficult, when the challenges come, my natural response is to retreat, to to go off on my own, to try and work it all out. And it's not a good idea. 
Because in that place, my thoughts start to spiral down. Things start to niggle. The lies start to come in. The doubts start to come in. When I realize what I'm doing, and I get back around people, and I start to share those things, faith starts to rise. People start speaking to me about who God is, about what he has promised. And I end up back in that place of faith and back in the place of strength. Just as the early church came together, if we're facing the impossible situation, we need one another. We need other people to hold our hands up at times. We need people to speak faith over us. We need reminding of who God is because we don't stay there very well on our own. But when we come together, we also need to go to God together. Because you know what? You can tell me about all the, the, the impossible situations you're in. But if they're impossible, that probably means I can't do anything about it either. I can pray and I can listen. But God is the one who has the solutions. So if, if we come together to, to talk about those impossible situations, we've got to take them to God. Because he is the one who has all power to to pour out on us, to pour out on those situations and for us to see that breakthrough. Now, I want to look at Peter's response because I would love to respond to difficulties the way Peter did. So Peter is there. He's in prison. It, it sounds like the next morning he's going to be on trial and he's likely to get a death sentence. I might be a little bit anxious at this point, a little bit nervous. What's Peter doing? He's asleep. Now, I didn't even sleep well last night doing this this morning. I would like to be able to respond like Peter. But Peter has learned from somebody else. He has learned from Jesus that it's okay to sleep in a storm. You do not need to strive and lie awake and stress and struggle because God is in control. God sees it all. God knows your impossible situation and he knows the way out of it. You're not going to get there by lying awake at night. This is what I tell myself regularly. But Peter also has experiences to draw on. If we go back to chapter 5, a number of the apostles have been arrested and they're in prison. Guess how they get out? An angel comes. Peter is sitting there in prison. He doesn't know exactly what God's going to do. He hasn't been given a prophetic word about another angel coming that we know of anyway. But he does know that God is able. He does know that God is on his side. He's got his history with God to fall back on. We need to remember our history with God. We need to remember what God has done for us in the past. Now, over the past eight years, Keith and I have learned this a lot. We've had, there, there have been a number of times when we have seen miraculous breakthroughs in the area of finance. And we have seen God being faithful time and time again in his provision. But every time we head to, we've headed towards a breakthrough, we've had a period of uncertainty. 
a period of thinking, it's not going to work. What's going to happen? What we're going to do? God, have you remembered God? Can you see the number on the bank account? And every time God has come through for us, we look back, there is not a single point that God has let us down. And we've had times where we've looked and we've thought, oh, it looks a bit tricky this month. What's God going to do? And it's quite exciting. But you know, suddenly this, this next, how many times are we hearing about the cost of living crisis? Do you know what? That's not what uh, Matthew 6 says. Read Matthew 6. Don't listen to the news. <laughs> we have no right to not trust God. We, we are... We are dishonouring God if we say, it's all going to fall apart. We have got so many stories of God's faithfulness that we need to stand on those. We need to, we, we need our faith to be rising. Now, I'm not going to say we never wobble. Fortunately, we often wobble on a different day so we can hold each other up. But we have histories with God that we need to fall back on. But I think there was an even greater motivation in Peter in why he was able to sit there sleeping, probably on a stone floor, chained to two guards. And that's his higher priority. And that is the same as God's higher priority. That God's word would be multiplied. I believe he had faith that God's word would increase and multiply regardless of what happened to him. Now that challenges me because I think, can I, can I say that my full motivation is God's word or that I get out of my tricky situation? I'll go and do business with God on my own with that one. <laughs> but Peter was passionate, single-minded about seeing God's word increase about the name of Jesus being made known. And he knew that that God would be faithful in that. God is still faithful in that. If we go back to the the image that I shared at the beginning, God is wanting to restore us to what we read in Acts. God is wanting to restore us to knowing, as Peter did, that victory is God's word being multiplied and increased. I believe we're going to see many, many victories along the way, such as getting into that building. <laughs> but when we look at our situations, we, we want to be in faith for seeing God break through. And I believe that God is going to do some breakthroughs this morning. But wouldn't it be wonderful... If we could get to the end of our story, and the end of our story finishes with, and the word of God increased and multiplied. That is what our lives need to point to. The ongoing um, faith exploits, couldn't remember the word there. The ongoing faith exploits that lead us from one breakthrough to another, from one miracle to another, because we know the God who takes us there. We know the God who gets us through. All to see Jesus known. Would the band come back up, please? 
at the beginning to the day, or close to the beginning, Jenny brought us a word about God being the one who does that great exchange. And as I've been preparing this, I've ummed and ahed about what, how it's going to end, what am I going to do, are we going to have a ministry time? And I just felt God say, worship. I want to do it in worship. So we are going to go back into worship. But what I want you to do is I want you to hand over to God every situation that you face. Every impossible situation that's ahead of you. Every niggle that you face. If you are feeling held back, give it to God. If you are ill, if you have any sickness, give it to God. Whatever you face, give it to him. Because as we worship, his power is present among us. And I just want to invite him So could we stand, please? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand back over to Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus, we declare you as Lord in this place. We declare that yours is the name that is above every other name, that you are above Every situation that we face, you are above every circumstance. You are above every thought in our head. You are above every sickness in our body. And Lord Jesus, we just, we we just hand everything over to you. We surrender to your goodness this morning. And Lord, as we go back into worship, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall in this room. That the God of breakthrough would break through. That God, that chains in this place would be broken. That people would be set free. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would move through us to restore us to the, to the, your original design that we read about in your word. God, would you give us hearts that are passionate for you, that are passionate for your name, that are passionate for seeing your word made known, Lord Jesus. God, would you come and do transformative work in us. But God, would you come that you may be glorified this morning. We lift up your name, God, because you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of our worship. We honor you because you are glorious, Lord. So God of power, God of love, just make yourself known here this morning. Amen. Just before we just return the song, just raise your voice, wherever you are, just confess your need of Jesus. Do that exchange now. Just let's raise our voices, folks. Pray in whatever language comes most naturally to you. That there is that cry of praise going and prayer going from this people. Come on, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. Hallelujah.